You know what time it is. It's time for us to have another amazing episode, and we have a great guest today with my man, Ben. But before we get started, before I get into our sponsors, one thing that I have to say is this episode is not for everyone. We are talking about some topics here that are a little bit out there, some things that may be seen as somewhat risque and or illegal. And by all means, please do not do any of these things that we're saying on here. This is strictly to broaden your mind, some things to think about, and some ideas that other people have. Also, we have a lot of warnings in here about who and sh- who should and shouldn't do this. And I'm going to go ahead and say that until you've really kind of traveled the journey that our guest has, please do not instead take more let's say traditional paths to get to personal development. But that being said, if you really, really want your carpets to be clean, and I'm talking about in a far out way, in a way that when your friends come over, they say, man, this carpet is so clean. It's so sparkly, so shiny. You need to get with Jeremiah at 180 Carpet Cleaning here in Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha's best carpet cleaner, Jeremiah 180 Carpet Cleaning. Dude just does insane work. And guess what? just about as expensive if you have done it yourself so here's what you need to do get on the phone get on the internet explorer find jeremiah 180 carpet cleaning you're gonna do that by going to google by going to yahoo going to bing and putting in 180 carpet cleaning omaha next thing you know go ahead and click call and get the man himself and tell him a black guy and a white guy from the studio sent you and you want the real deal jeremiah up in your house cleaning those carpets getting you crispy for your parties for when people come over and they're like man some immaculate carpet jeremiah 180 carpet cleaning turn your carpets around what do you have for us today elliot same thing as always babe you know uh, i'm still in the market for a new place and you know obviously you know i'm pretty well to do i'm pretty high society for when i'm looking for a quality contractor to help me you know build my dream home you know i i go to my good friend jeff gearing with mercury builders and contractors uh he is the owner he is the man him and his crew uh have just worked on some villas out west uh on the uh, excuse me in the Castle Creek area, uh, so definitely check him out there. Mercury Builders, Jeff Gearing, tell him that Elliot and Pate sent you his way from the black guy and the white guy walking to the studio show. And he'll definitely hook you guys up because he knows us, and if he likes us, he's gonna like you as well. www.mercurycontractors.com. System activate. Have you heard the joke about the one time a black guy and a white guy walked into the studio and made a podcast? The podcast of Omaha, Nebraska, with hosts Elliot W. Harris and Pete Smith. This is a black guy and a white guy walked into the studio. System activated. What's up, black guy, white guy, went to the studio listeners, and we are crunched for time tonight. But we are definitely going to get this podcast in. And I have a guest that, I mean, I absolutely love as a person and have learned so much through, but is about to just bring you guys an incredible amount of value in the form of his journey through self and personal development that he, uh, you know, has found it maybe be somewhat less than the norm, but is definitely becoming the norm and is definitely in the last, I would say, two years rocketed kind of into popular culture. And that is my man, Ben Caldwell. Ben, how are you doing tonight? Pate Smith, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Awesome. Elliot? Great to have you here, bro. Hey, man, I'm man. glad to be here. Ben is a person that I would like to 
describe as a very purposeful wanderer. I like that. I like that too, man. I'll claim that. Wandering. Wander, yeah. <laughs> and Ben, he and I have had some really awesome conversations late at night about <laughs> his travels. And one of his travels was a purposeful travel to the rainforest of Peru. Yes, sir. Right? Probably and, the most purposeful travel. <laughs> yeah. And there Ben found a lot about himself, a lot about others. And I just want to say, Ben, what brought you to this point in time where you said, I'm going to the rainforest. I'm going to hang out with a shaman or a spiritual leader, mm -hmm. and I'm going to really find myself. What was what was it that brought you from Omaha to Peru? Well, obviously, it's a, it's a real long story. Um, one of the more fascinating things is what I thought brought me there became very different after I left there. I uh, Honestly, a lot of what brought me there was just simple recreational love for a lot of psychedelics. It didn't have too much of a feeling of self-healing or any of that when I was really planning on going down to Peru. But um, oddly enough, as, as it approached and it got closer and closer and closer, it became a lot more about myself, if that makes sense. It, it became less about going down there to get fucked up with the shamans in the middle of the rainforest, which Hell yeah. sounded awesome on it the surface sound to off me. Sounds awesome now. Yeah, off yeah, of yeah. Now, no. <laughs> and, and even after I left there, that was still a real cool key point. But um, that was probably the main thing that got me there, was wanting to just take it to a, an impressive level. And also, there was this, there's a weird thing with psychedelics to where a lot of people make claims, especially about psychedelics down in like Peru or you know, in the Amazon, they make claims that they're medicine and that they'll they'll do these things. And, and it isn't just druggy bullshit. And I'm kind of under the, the deep impression that if something's actually real, it can take the tests. It can you don't need to argue with somebody that gravity's real. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like you, you just truth doesn't need to get a strong backbone from you. It, it should have its own backbone. So I kind of went down there to test a lot of this hippy dippy shit that I heard a lot of people talking about with ayahuasca. And the, it was interesting how once I got down there, it sort of shut up a lot of my skepticism because it, it, it showed me that I thought it was a, a, a small line of dominoes that had been falling that got me to that point. And once I was down there, I saw a longer string of dominoes. That's awesome. Now, Ben, kind of, let's just kind of go back a little bit. Tell us your history as far as how you got to this point to where you wanted to go that route. Yeah, you know, yeah. tell me a little about your past. Um, well, it started, I was probably 18 or 19 when I really started getting into like marijuana and, and stuff like that. And I think I was 19 and my buddy Clancy got some mushrooms and it didn't, it didn't seem like a big deal. You know, okay. it was just kind of like, oh, hey, this is one step up from weed. We didn't know anything about what we were doing. Which is perfect, I guess, for that exact context with us. But I remember sitting there and I had a couple friends around me and we're like two hours into taking mushrooms and they're all having what I perceived to be experience A, which was just very, you know, oh my God, the walls are breathing, the ceiling and the floor look like they're getting closer and, you know, giggles. And I was having all that stuff, but there was this other weird stuff that was happening and it was like, I was exploring myself and all the things that I'd been sort of self-conscious about, things within myself that I'd felt were weird growing up and just kind of odd and made me feel out of place. I was able to giggle about them and I was able to really feel like it didn't matter if they were weird. It didn't matter, whatever. It just, it, it was, and it was a funny experience while I was having it because it didn't feel like this weird revelation of, oh my God, I see it all. It was like 
<laughs> what the fuck? I have let that trip me up so much in my life. Right. Like, it was it was very matter of fact. Like my senses felt like they were on drugs, but my mind felt just electrically clear. It was it was an experience that I'll never forget. And, so I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, because you know I'm interested in like yo, this is a cool story about Ben and he went to the rainforest. But I mean, to me, that's not the important part. No, at all. The important part that I want the viewers to hear is what clarity you gained from this. Because yeah. you and I have talked about this and what you gained from one thing, I gained from another. Yeah. And another person, uh, you know, gains from, you know, maybe some form of like religi religious uh, experience or seeking like that. But I want you to expound on that because... I think that is the beauty of this story. I could not agree more. Um, I think that is the question that a gets asking that question is much more important than finding a real answer to it. But like, so you'll sit there and you kind of realize, or okay, I realized that for me, psychedelics were like a vehicle. They got me to an interesting state of mind or an interesting place, but they aren't like credited with the knowledge that I picked up there. It's the same thing with you could, there's a lot of disciplines that'll take you to interesting new novel places. They take you outside of your normal frame rate of thought. And within this alien thought frame rate, you see not only your previous thought frame rate, but you see this, this whole new world. It's like, you ever, you ever heard of the statues that, um, they look like a different letter depending on your vantage point of looking at them. It's like a piece of art in the middle. Oh of, yeah. Of a, yeah. Excuse me. Of, of a, I don't know, field or whatever. Mm -hmm. They have them in college campuses. But it's fascinating if you realize that think of that like reality. And and, and you, you're sitting here viewing it and someone's on the opposite side. If you describe your perspective of this statue, the person on the other side would not recognize your description because they're looking at the same thing, but they have a different perspective of that same thing. And it looks radically different. Every situation in life is like that to where the way I view it is like Ben's view of it. Pate's view is Pate's view. Elliot's Elliot's. And... And you sit there and you can start to realize a lot of the differences you have with people, with anybody, with, with whatever, just comes from a, a simple vantage point change. And, you know, trying to bring it back to your question, it's like that vantage point change is what the psychedelics gave me. So if you go out there in this site, I'm trying to think of a, a quick way to say it, because a lot of this stuff is just real, real deep stuff. No, keep on going. I, no. I, I'm going to fix them after that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's like if, if, if you view these psychedelics like a vehicle, they aren't to be credited. So I, I don't credit all of the all of the the knowledge that I've gained through these experiences on psychedelics. I can't say you take if you take mushrooms, Elliot, you'll gain what I got. That's not at all how this works. Right. It's it's one of those things where it, you can like your car gets you to work. Yes. And if you were to credit your whole day's work to your car, that seems silly, but your car still got you to work. So that's kind of how I view the psychedelics. So what? So you had something. No, please. Okay. You go and then I'll, I'll go. So what Ben, I think, and I, I've never done psychedelics. Actually, I have done once and it was an accident. We should tell that story. Because it's pretty hilarious. Do you remember the story? No. Okay. I thought you were going to say I was part of it. <laughs> no, 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 I was like, oh, really? You were there? I was 19 years old and I got some high C out of my, nobody was home. I was staying at a friend's house and I got some high C out of their garage 
of what I perceived was high C or Kool-Aid or something out of their garage refrigerator. Uh-huh. And it was shroom tea. And I didn't know. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So I didn't know that. I thought it was high C. And apparently I broke like the golden rule of doing this by putting ice in it because I was like, wow, I'm really thirsty. I'm going to drink this. And I drank apparently an incredible amount. I, when they told me, I got very, very upset. And I was like, call poison control, do everything. (laughs) And they're like, you'll be fine. Eat this. And it was like an incredible amount of uh, food, which I'm told is not what you want to do because it'll make you vomit. But um, I would have I, I would have laid down personally. Yeah, I, that's what I ended up doing. Let it um, go. And but I did not experience anything at all other than just nervousness. And then after talking to someone, they said, "A, either that wasn't shroom tea and they were tricking me, or B, I was so nervous I couldn't experience." what it was they said but most likely what happened was that i was so nervous that um i had some sort of other receptor issue going on in my brain and they asked me like what happened the next morning when i woke up and i just woke up really sweaty and they're like okay yeah you probably did it it's it's hard to tell yeah i mean i've no but that's my only like now that i look back on it i wish that you know if somebody's going to trick me into doing a psychedelic that I would have like had some sort of really cool experience. But like mine was like, I sat on a couch and was angry at my <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Like that was not happy. Yeah, uh, I was like, why did you not put a skull and crossbones on that? Picture? <laughs> on the Damn it. That was not sweet. Tea. Um, but going back to the truth that when, what Ben means by that is, you know, being kind of like self-actualized on a lot of the stuff that happens in life isn't as important or as stressful as we make it. And we're missing a lot of, you know, golden opportunities in life in enjoying things because we're so worried about dumb minutia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Elliot, you, you had something to say. No, and I agree with that completely. So, I mean, yeah, I took psychedelics by accident as well. I was DJing <laughs> a party uh, out kind of like way out on like 200 streets here in Omaha. Bro, that's, uh, that's out my crib. That's up in your crib. Before your crib was probably even built, that you know, mm-hmm. but it was probably like three to four years ago. Uh, we'll call that. Uh, but I was DJing a party. It was myself and uh, big ups to uh, Nick the Quick DJ. We were tag teaming this deal in Lincoln, and or not Lincoln. I'm sorry, it was still in Omaha, but it felt like it was in Lincoln. <laughs> and uh, I was giving some some candy, right? Some chocolate, some fudge, or something of that nature. <laughs> and after the fact, trust that party can. Yeah, right. After the after the fact, I was still, I was showing shrooms in there, and I'm like, oh snap! I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, my then girlfriend at that time frame uh, was telling me like, oh, like dude, you need to lay your ass down. <laughs> and so there was a hammock kind of like far off, and this was kind of the cornfield area, and they were like racing like little doom buggies in the cornfield, so you can see like little lights going, and they were like jumping in the pool over here to the right. Later, found out there was no doom buggies in those. Cornfields. There were no doom buggies at all. <laughs> I, I laid down this hammock, you know, the whole time frame, and I was swinging back and forth, and I just like really just sat there and chilled. Just, like, lay down chill out don't move from the spot you know i'd stay there probably roughly two hours you know yeah i closed the party out though for sure but uh <laughs> no but i stayed for two hours and it was just a trippy feeling but this was like a, a really euphoric type of deal yeah. you know and you, you know it kind of light as a feather excuse me kind of a light light as a feather stiff as a board type of feeling yeah, you know yeah, yeah. as i was swinging back exactly and forth and everything was just awesome the world was literally round you know because we're out there roughly in the 200 streets so there's no really street lights out there you see the actual uh, the the stars, you see the cornfield, and I'm like, wow! I wish I knew this is what I was on, on purpose yeah. instead of on accident, so I can really 
uh, engage in the feeling yeah. instead of being kind of. I was anxious at the same time frame. Oh, that's a scary you know, situation. Because I'm with somebody else. I'm like, oh, you know, you got to lay down because I don't want, you know. She was more worried about me causing the scene. And you pick up on that, too. Right. You're just like, oh, shit, why what, is she what, freaking what? out? Does I know that why mean she's going to die? Yeah, right? You know? But I understood I was okay because everybody yeah. else was doing it. So whatever. Or some people were doing it. <laughs> um, but I understand what you're saying with that, Pate. You know, like you get all like nervous. Like, what? Like, you're asking for instruction for people who are, like, professionals in this shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I just I- want to play some Madden. <laughs> and I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, man, these people... Who does? Who leaves this in their outside refrigerator? Right, right. For kids or whoever to, what, to get home. Yeah. What of. if a little kid had gone over there? Right. Have you ever seen a little kid that says, "Ooh, a pitcher of Kool Aid"? I mean, nobody says no to Kool Aid. Nobody it's, says no to Kool Aid. It was a hundred in the summer. It's hundred and forty degrees in Alabama. In Alabama, it feels like hundred and forty degrees. Right. You see some Kool Aid. I mean, it is like an oasis. It's like a gift from heaven. Right. Right. And then soon you find out it is. They're from the devil. Right, right. Like, oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And like, bust through the door and got like a pitchfork <laughs> oh, and shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not. <laughs> like, and, but I mean, getting back, on, getting back on topic, like, you know, you listen to like Joe Rogan's podcast or Aubrey Marcus podcast or, you know, all these people in pop culture now that make it this really cool um, experience to go to Peru. And one thing that I concern myself with is how things are kind of cheapened in this world. Mm, yeah. And um, if, you know, I consider Ben to be a really good friend and a person that uh, is very thoughtful about what he does. And I listen to what benefit he got through this personal transformation. And I start asking myself, like, at what point do we over-commercialize this mm-hmm. that it loses It's potency for those people that need it. And, you know, I'm not a person that is pro everyone experiencing this. I feel that, um, you know, God put everything on this earth for a specific reason. Right. Um, And, you know, there's things that are negative for most people that are positive for some. And there are things that are positive for most people that are negative for some. Some people... You know, just can't take ego waffles. Like they have one ego waffle, they just gotta eat ego waffles all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, that's how I feel that these shamanic adventures to Peru have become. People saying, Hey, this is cool. Joe Rogan does it. Aubrey Marcus is, does it. I've got two thousand bucks and a break in between fraternity parties at my school. Let me go down to Peru on my family's frequent fire miles and try this. Mm-hmm. So that brings it back to what you've done. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go back to that. So we talked about your, your past and kind of your experience with that. So now we're in Peru at this mm-hmm. time frame and you thought it was just going to be a big ass trip, but mm-hmm. now it's on a different level for you. Talk about that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just for a real, real second or two, the weird thing that connects all psychedelics, because they're all different, right? I mean, they all have a different like feeling to them when you're on them. But the weird thing that connects it all is when, when you try it for the first time, the universal feeling is this isn't what I expected it mm. to be. And that's super revelatory for everyone who experiences it. But the weird thing is, even though I knew that better than a lot of people, when I was in Peru, ayahuasca weirded me out with its level of difference because... So. No, tell us what ayahuasca... I'm like, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Tell us what ayahuasca is. Ayahuasca? Yeah, ayahuasca. Um, Excuse me. No, no, you're fine, you're fine. It, it translates to a couple of different things, uh, either vine of the dead or vine of the soul. Mm-hmm. 
and, and that translation comes from the upper Amazon basin from the Quechua tribes, um, which there's quite a few of them. I visited the Shipipo tribe, okay. which is a very large tribe geographically, but it, uh, it's mostly led by the women of the tribe, which is interesting. Not, I mean, not always, but they're, they're called maestras and might and maestros, um, is like the shamanic leaders. But ayahuasca is, the, the hallucinatory ingredient within ayahuasca is dimethyltryptamine, DMT. And DMT is an extraordinarily potent hallucinogen. Uh, it's one of the most potent that our nervous system can take. And it almost appears that your nervous system is centrally wired to take this experience. It's very strange. But it, uh, we do produce it naturally. Naturally in your brain, you produce, produce it. it. It's believed every night when you dream. It is the chemical that your brain releases to elicit the dreaming experience. It's also believed to be released in high quantities in very stressful situations. Like the situations that your body thinks it's going to die. Wow. It will just blast you with dimethyltryptamine. Kind of like Inception, huh? Yes. Yeah. It's very... DMT uh, is in a very fucking weird category of its of its own. But anyway, so DMT is not orally active. So if you get pure DMT and you eat it, you have an enzyme in your stomach. And I can't remember the enzyme. It's a MAO, like mono, blah, 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 blah. I can't remember it. My bad. Everybody knows MAO. Yeah. Personal. And because um, I know the inhibitor. Exactly. Right. So and that it. is that's an important thing. So that enzyme breaks down DMT within minutes. It doesn't have enough time to get into your bloodstream. But through some amazing form of preliterate chemistry, the Amazonian shamans thousands of years ago through the there is like one hundred and fifty thousand species of plants in the Amazon rainforest. There's a handful with a high amount of DMT and there's. I, can, I only know of one. There, there's probably a couple, but I only know of one with this uh, molecule. It's a harmaline, which is an MAO inhibitor. So if you combine this inhibitor, which is in the ayahuasca plant, the plant is actually a vine, ayahuasca. It's half of the equation. Equation, thank you, is ayahuasca. And the other half is the DMT, a, a leaf usually that has high amounts of DMT. You boil both of these plants down separately into like a very thick sludge. You combine them together and now you have a compound that both has DMT and that enzyme inhibitor. And when you drink that, the enzyme inhibitor blocks the enzyme and it allows DMT to enter your bloodstream through your stomach. And that makes an experience that's about four to six hours long. Mm. However, if you smoke the free base or inject the free base form of dimethyltryptamine, it's about 10 minutes long. And it is the most intense experience you will ever have this side of the yawning grave. It is, it's like they, they took the six hour experience of ayahuasca and trapped it into 15 minutes. I mean, it is, it is beyond, it is beyond words, uh, doing the free base of DMT. How did you get here? How did you get to this point where you're seeking out this type of yeah. high, this type of utopia? So when I was just saying earlier with the, with the mushrooms and how I was having this experience, I, I got to imagine on some level my friends were too, but like that is the key that I was really tapped into. This whole thing of like, it felt like, oh my God, I've been walking through life in this meat suit with these sensory perceptions my whole life and it's been kind of on channel A. You know, like like literally like channel A. Yeah. And then this just turned the dial a little bit. I'm seeing everything through the same body, through my same meat suit with the same perceptions, but it's all different. And it just it just it's very odd how 
You're not sitting here thinking, oh my God, I'm one with the universe. No, you're sitting here thinking, dude, what the fuck is going on? This is crazy. Like, this is weird. That's moving. I know that's not moving, but I'm looking at it and it's moving. Like what? And so it's very fascinating having this. It's like you're intelligently challenging what you're seeing. It's 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 weird. Huh. I basically started with that with mushrooms and it just kept expanding. And I kept seeking this stuff out. And over years and years and years, the first time I tried mushrooms is like 2008. And by 2010, quite a bit had happened in, in between that, but just a lot of use and whatever, you know. And by 2010, Rick Strassman came out with a movie, uh, documentary, which was mirrored or parallel to his book called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Okay, I've heard of this particular piece of literature, but I'm not familiar with it. So basically, this just trick. this just completely ticked a really big thing in my brain. I sat there and I, I was like, yes, because it felt like a, there was lots of times on psychedelics I had experiences that I could not talk about unless under the lens of spirituality. So I'm just like, you know, I don't really know what just happened to me, but I ate five grams of mushrooms and I think I might've talked to God. Like, so you don't really know how to describe these situations. But when I saw that title, DMT, the spirit molecule, and I knew DMT was a psychedelic. I'd never tried it. I mean, you don't even hear about it. You could you could be in the drug game for 10 years in Omaha and you'd never Back fucking then, find it. Back then, but now. Maybe, maybe now. Now okay. it's, been, it's kind of Maybe fine. now. Okay, we're talking 2007, 2008. And uh, so then 2010 comes around and this this documentary comes out. And, and I watch it right away. And it blew my fucking mind. Immediately, I get online and I link up with this dude, Pedro, who has... A real old family farm of mimosa hostilis in um, in Brazil, and because mimosa hostilis is is a high producing DMT plant, so I was like, you know what, I'm I can't find this shit anywhere, and I I had some people that knew how to look for that kind of stuff, and so I just said, fuck it, man, it can't be that difficult. I'll extract it myself. I'll do the chemistry, you know, whatever. We, I got a kitchen, we can do it. So I got this plant from my boy Pedro down in Brazil. And basically, me and a good friend just started doing some kitchen chemistry and ended up extracting the DMT. And next thing you know, I mean, my whole reality changed. The the When I finally was able to blast off on DMT, which blast off is, is kind of just terminology describing if you get a certain amount of DMT, then the experience fundamentally changes. Mm. You get like 35 milligrams or so within a minute, then you have an experience that is just fundamentally different. It is a complete out-of-body experience. And it's very strange because what it showed me immediately was that experience itself as just a, a, a term, as a concept, was not localized in your body. And that sounds that sounds weird, but but what, what I mean is I've had experiences with DMT and psychedelics that had nothing to do with my body. Which means like I you'd smoke DMT and then a minute later you find yourself in this place. And then you're sitting there and, and you hear this voice and it's talking and you tr and you try to turn behind you to, to hear this voice, but you can't. And then you're sitting there and you're like, oh, that's because the couch is behind me. And then you're like, wait, what? The couch? I mean, you're just in a whole nother hallucinatory world, but you still know that you're sitting on a couch in your friend's apartment. It's, it's, it's very, very weird. It's hard to explain. There's no way we'll have enough time. So, you know, I, my question, but, but, but just like okay. real quick, that 
So, so that experience of DMT and just this whole, I was a very, I was big into atheism. I loved being an atheist. Uh, I grew up crazy Christian and I just rebelled from that super hard. And I was atheist for a long time. And then I smoked DMT a couple times. Thanks, man. And, uh, I couldn't, I just couldn't be an atheist because not because of any like God thing per se, like not because of any Christian thing or any religion that I've heard about. It's more of like a, I don't know what there is out there, but I know it's, there's a lot of mystery that I can't be certain of what is of just, I have no idea. And within that realm of, I have no idea there's enough room for like all types of mischief. So what's interesting is you mentioned that book, the spirit molecule. Some people I know I have heard referred to DMT as the God molecule. And you and I, one time while sitting in a hot tub, uh, (laughs) had about a four hour discussion (laughs) about religion. Yeah. I mean, this was very intense and what we, where like we've gone and, um, I, I self identify, as a Christian. Um, and Ben has like some rebellious non self identification with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that's my baggage more yeah. than more than logic or anything like that. And, but what's interesting to me is that we both almost feel the same way. It's hard for me right now to find a denomination that I find interesting because of where some denominations have pushed against people that I love, whether it be like, you know, some of my friends that I love that are gay Mm -hmm. or in the past, how specific denominations in the South treated African-Americans. It's sure. And I know that churches are constructs and denominations are constructs, Mm -hmm. but what matters is my belief and my connection to God and so to let a construct get in the way of that, that man has created is my bad. And I'm not going to allow that to cheapen my relationship. Yeah. And God, I think I sent you a message the day after I had my girls when I was like the most amazing moment of self actualization and realizing like there is a God was when I saw my daughters come out. Mm. Were you there? For, were you there for your wife's when I was. I was there for when my my daughter was born, and you know my I just got weak in the knees. I was standing up at the time. For Bro, me. I sat down. They, the they actually was, they actually sit down because like literally, my I felt like jello. I didn't know what was happening at the time frame, but it was different. You, I don't care what was going. There could be some napalm drop <laughs> next door. I was so focused and just so entranced in what was happening. This life that was being born, you know, it it was. It was so weird question. Did your so because I I wonder this. Did your wife birth naturally? Uh, no, she has Syrian. So I mean, so she was cut open and had a big old needle slip. Yeah, yeah. One question that I have is like when Mary Catherine was in the room and she started pushing. Like we went to no classes or anything like that. No classes at all. Nah, bro. We went in. She like read a little bit, um, and they said, "Okay, start pushing." And she and I had had this conversation. Like she's like, I really don't even know what to do. And everybody's like, Oh, they'll coach you through it. Try to poop she knew exactly what to do, and it was like a wiring that was oh, in her. Yeah. And watching her do that, and like what she produced, and I mean, God, it was incredible. But I texted Ben the next day, and I was just like, I don't know if any drug can produce the feeling and thing that I just saw. And I don't do drugs, but I, you know, I even don't like to call psychedelics drugs personally. Well, um, 
would you what do you what would you categorize those as? Because you're saying psychedelics, right? We talked about weed, you know, and you can go to other realms, you know, cocaine, heroin, blah blah yeah. blah. But what would you call psychedelics? I mean, I mean they're just that's psychedelics like, that's or like what? Lumping everything into like lump something that to would you consider like codeine and Adderall in the same category? No, mm. they're not at all. That's like the difference between cocaine and a psychedelic. I mean, just lumping them in all together is, I think, that 1990s bullcrap Reaganist yeah. ideology. Reaganist, I like that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's coming from a staunch Republican. Work. That's right. Check check out our our, our political podcast, podcast. Podcast number two. If you podcast get all number that. two, right? Um, but no, yeah, it's it's it can be disingenuous to call them drugs. I think this is one of the interesting things. It. I find there to be a strong separation between most what, what people consider drugs and what psychedelics are. But at the same time, I think it's much more important for, for like my place to not take myself so seriously that it matters what monkey mouth noise we use to capture the meaning of what we're talking about. I like what you said right there. Go like, ahead. so one of my favorite Buddhist proverbs, and I'm not going to say the whole thing, but it, it, it's like, I'll paraphrase it. If, if you have a fishnet, and you catch the fish, the fishnet is no longer needed because you have the fish. If you have a rabbit snare and you catch the rabbit, the snare is no longer needed because you have what it was there for. Words are nets that we use to capture meaning with. And if you have the meaning behind the words that were used, you no longer need the words anymore. And so the proverb ends with, where's a man who's forgotten all words so I can have a conversation with true meaning? And basically that means... That these words are all just symbols. That drug is a symbol and it's a category that we put things in. And at the end of the day, the conversation is about getting my ideas into your head and vice versa. We can get tripped up on semantics. Amen. I choose not to, but I do respect the fact that some people really do get tripped up on those semantics. That they, that they want to make that separation between psychedelics and drugs. So I think there is an important separation there because... I'll, but it's only important because so many people are dumbasses. And right. they think that meth is in the same category as, you know, as as no. mushrooms. Right. And it's like I have a question. Man, you, mushrooms helped what, saved my life. Meth would ruin it. I have a question. Go ahead. Because I you know, we talked about this a little bit in my last podcast, but I recently have started framing everything in my life and the way I determine if things are good or if they're bad in I look at the girls. And I say, would I be okay if the girls did this? That's a that's a rough frame rate. Why, why do you say, why you say that? that? Yeah. Because how many times have you made mistakes and then a year later realized that you are a greater person because of that a mistake? A thousand times. Woo! And you would Many never – That that's the hardest part about parenting is you don't ever realize that your life is actually a long series of fuck-ups and then slight re recalibrations after said fuck-ups hold on this is interesting elliot yes think back to like our work together as far as like coaching yes and i preach that to my clients all the time it's not about being perfect it's about ticking the needle in the direction of i'm editing myself to better Mm -hmm. So with business, I'm editing myself to better. I agree. Like with you that. hear what he just said. I heard it. Like he found that truth from a completely different way. This is I'm just my, I, I just described to you my 19 year old mushroom trip where yeah. I had these mushrooms telling me, dude, all these things that you viewed as a series of mistakes. How much fucking cooler are you as an individual because of those? That to me, I found that truth in failing a property class 
our property test in first year of law school, first semester, first year of law school. Mm-hmm. I killed myself, literally killed myself. Stayed up days, nights, working mm-hmm. to get that and did as good as I can and failed. And at the back of that, I looked at every, then looked at every failure in my la- life and laughed because I yeah. now get to edit those failures. Big time, man. I don't know what people are going to get out of this podcast other than it's a cool podcast. But if I could say get anything out of it, realize that everything you do in life is not some type of thing that is do or die. There's very few things that you don't get to do over again. There's very few things you can don't get the opportunity to fix. People fail all the time. Like last week, I've been doing really good in my business lately. Last week alone, I lost around $11,000 in annual revenue. Boom. (laughs) But, you know, that's considerable, right? And I was bummed out for about four days. My wife was like, what would you tell your clients right now? And she would not let me live in this. Okay, stepping up to the plate. Because she was like, you're better than this. And I, like, woke up this morning, and they were laying in bed, and I looked at my girls, and I was like, $11,000. I lost that in a week. I was like, I guarantee I can make that up in a week. And times what? Times exactly. Two, times three. Right. And the the thing is, like, maybe I let myself get stagnant. And that was, you know, the world or God or whatever saying, you know, like, are you pushing as hard as you can? Because, like, let me show you this. Why, where are you now? And $11,000 ain't going to make me or break me. But when you have new babies, the life that my wife and I had before is drastically changed because I want to provide a different world for them. Right. You know, and we always want to better ourselves. You know, we mentioned that before about what, what, you know, that's a rough frame of what is good or bad. But like, I've honestly been saying this and there's things that I want my girls to experience. And I don't do, I don't have a feeling about some of these things other than I want my girls to make mistakes, but then survive them. Yeah. And yeah, you know, and looking at them in their, you know, right that's now. That, got, that has to be the hardest part of parenting is letting your kids make those mistakes. That's that's too true. That's too true. Um, How old's your daughter? My daughter's nine years old. So you're just. Oh, damn. So yeah. you know what's up. I know what's up. I know what's <laughs> up. And she's asking me crazy questions about, hey, dad, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. You know, she says question. I say answers. What I normally say. She's like, um, if I had a boyfriend, that's a boy slash friend. It's what she told me. That's a boy slash friend. What would you think about that? I'm like, um, like, well, and there's then layers I went, to this. Problem. Yeah, right. There's, there's, <laughs> it's a four layer cake, right? It's a four layer cake, you know. And like, how do I operate within that? So I, I gave her some really sound advice, and you know, I told her what I did, and that's a totally different podcast if, if we yeah. want to go down that route as far as parenting is concerned. This is a podcast we got to do sometimes. We this will do topic. sometimes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for sure. But um, you know, I haven't been speaking too much on this podcast because you know, black people don't do South Beach psychedelics. We just do, you know, either we're doing freaking, we were, we're doing smoking weed, or we're doing crack, or we're doing cocaine. That's yeah. our heroin, whatever. We don't do a lot of psychedelic shit, you know. <laughs> so I'm really enlightened today. But nonetheless, um, it comes to a point where you know you've hit on some really great fine points. That I've been enlightened by the things you've that. talked about, by the things you talked about today. Excuse me, and. Um, we talked before, and awkwardly enough, you wore the same. We were wearing the same shirt when I hey. saw you two months ago. I got one shirt, bro. <laughs> yeah, I got one shirt. I 
I got one shirt and I wear it every day. You know, every you, look, motherfucker. you look the exact same as when I saw you two months ago. What's and, uh, crazy is he's got one shirt, but he's got 365 of them. It was right, right. The, the, the man bun's still the same. You saw the, the same five o'clock shadow I saw you with uh, in the it dead works. of uh, it Yeah, it right. Works. It's a good look. You were in shorts and it was wintertime, wasn't it? <laughs> when you commit for one time, you just, you got to let it slide. Right? Exactly, exactly. But the knowledge base that you bring to the table, no, nobody really knows that right now. Uh, about you but it's the same it hasn't differed from when i saw you first uh <laughs> and from what i'm seeing right now currently in front of me Appreciate uh, that, man. no for sure i mean you know your stuff and and it's awkwardly to say that you're you're trained but it's it's never where to say that you're knowledgeable you know Thanks, and you you know what you're talking about and this is a very taboo subject because we yeah. we're in nebraska you know what i'm saying that and, no. and you were kind of tardy coming today because why Cause well, oh, I got pulled over. You got pulled over. Yeah. God, but, but not for anything bad. Nothing right? bad, you know. Dude, right, thank every cross I see that I was clean and I got pulled over. Most deaf, most deaf. So that's kind of funny that you know. He's a nice. He was a nice cop. He's a nice cop. Right? He might have given me a ticket on every single tick he could have. <laughs> God bless him, and I hope he has a but good evening. But that's his job. That's his job. That is his job. He and he actually did a great job, man. He was cool. He he was. He didn't give me any like shit for all the stuff, but yeah. No, totally. So you had one more thing. One thing it's if I were, if somebody were to ask me, Ben, you can only give me one piece of info that you've learned from all these journeys. And it would be this, it would be that like, I, fuck, I I can't believe I don't remember who gave this quote. Um, but it, it, it's a quote that I found when I was 19. And for some reason it has found new application almost every year of my life. And it is the most powerful thing I have to give anybody. And that's, Losing an illusion makes you wiser than finding a truth. And what I have found through all these journeys is that what psychedelics do is they don't they don't show you some fucking magnificent truth, some objective reality that you've been looking for your whole life or some, you know, piece of knowledge that that grants you immunity from pain. That's not at all what they do. For me, a lot of what they do is they illuminate bullshit. Mm. So they show you illusions that you are holding to be true. And it's fascinating when you realize if you hold a lie, an illusion to be true, and you let that be a cornerstone of your tower of personality, then every piece of Jenga on top of that is corrupt. And what's very, very difficult about taking the right amount of psychedelics in the right settings is you're going to have that truth thrown in your face. Every freakout story you've ever heard ever has something to do with that person realizing an aspect of their personality is bullshit and that they have lied about it eternally throughout their existence. And maybe they need to do something about that. My thing. And they freak out. You know, my thing about what I fear for most, you know, frat guys that say, bro, you know, I heard on Rogan we should go down to Peru and or Colombia and find a shaman and, you know, get high for two weeks and see, you know, go on a real journey. And then they go and they go on and they sound, they just go to do that and they get high and then they go and they sound cool to their friends at college. My issue with that whole deal is they'll never find the truth because or never find true benefit in what's there. And they'll cheapen this experience for people that have, you know, depression issues. I think I saw some other day where they're treating PTSD people with DMT. Oh, do they PTSD is that is the one thing that blew me away about Peru is I was down there with people who were 
I mean, like the kind of stories that you can't even make up. You know, they're they were trapped in their basement. Their mother was psychotic and let her boyfriends rape them growing up. And I mean, I mean, like the kind of shit that they make movies about. And um, those are the. I mean, it was it blew me away. Those were the kind of people I was down in Peru with. You know, that's why I wanted to have this podcast. Is not because I just want. It's like, oh, this is a cool topic. I'm gonna have Ben come in here. But it was because this is something that you know I learned about that some people have found great healing with. And you know, I grew up in a very straight laced environment, and I would have at a time said, you know, this is stupid. People should find it in other ways. And I think for sure before, you know. Before you try Advil, you should make sure you're drinking enough water, and that's not why you yeah, have yeah, a yeah. headache. Yeah, I saw something like 90% of people are dehydrated, and that's why they have so many issues. But Water? Never touch the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, um, I love the fact that Ben can come in here and he can say, this is a medicine that's there. This is what you can do, and this is the way I found my truth, and it's a truth that is out there for a lot of people and the truth is found in a number of ways and that's how you found it and that's what i love about you thanks man no it's 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 true that one interesting thing about truth is we try to view it like it's singular but nothing that's singular has versions so if you try to sit there and pretend like there's an objective reality that's truth you're gonna fail every day of your life because you're viewing that reality through the lens of whoever you are and that not pollutes, but it dilutes. It changes it somehow. Pollutes a bad word because it makes us seem negative. It's it's more like it it enhances it through your perspective, if you will. It's like if you say you like alcohol, what you're really saying is you like the way your body interacts with alcohol. You aren't saying alcohol is good objectively because if I was allergic to alcohol, then alcohol would not be good. What you're actually saying is you like the way you interact with it. We talked about a lot of awesome stuff today. Basically, we, we talked about how Elliot and I were tricked by irresponsible. Well, I'll say mine was an accident. Yours was, I feel like, purposeful. It was purposeful. Bro, but I would I, not but be friends I, with those people anymore. If I, I mean, but the girl was cute that gave it to me. You know what I'm saying? At the time frame, you know, I was like, oh, shoot, yeah, you're hot. And I like, ate it. No, not herpes. Oh. Uh, that's against the keeps Shut your ass up. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> this shit went totally wrong. You know what I'm saying? You just scarred me for life, really? My no, uh, no pun intended. Uh, I do not have herpes, nor do I <laughs> state that. This is a great, this is a yes. great show. Yeah. All right, so anyway, I'm gonna talk I digress. I'm so, <laughs> I'm going to title this. Let me, uh, <laughs> so, we're trying to like conclude this shit. This one boy just told me I had herpes. So anyway, uh, the black guy on the white guy and the black guy went to the studio and does not have herpes. So <laughs> coming through and through and scene. So coming through and through, uh, yeah, shit happens by mistakes all day. <laughs> all day, man. She's and and as much as we joke and everything like that, you know, we get tricked into certain things, you know. Uh, fucking a smile and a big butt in certain cases, right? Yeah. Uh, herpes. Or, uh, you know, just drinking the tea, drinking the Kool-Aid and having Kool-Aid man bust through the door and say, oh, yeah. If that would have happened, like I would have yeah. died. If he Trip out, bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Balls out. He would have done shrooms every week. All day, man. All no, day. I that would have scared me. I, I, st- I will say this. I still ended up whipping those dudes in Madden. <laughs> 
You would have. Bro, that's when, that's when uh, LaDainian and Daryl Sproles were on the Chargers. You couldn't stop my run game. Say word. That's, that's, a, whole, that's a whole different <laughs> we, podcast. We're we going to have again. to have a Madden podcast. That's right. That's right. We, we're just branching out here on a black guy and a white guy in the studio. So, I mean, for sure. Hey, Ben. Appreciate you coming through, man. Oh, man, dude, I'd come here any night of the week. Glad you didn't get hit up. Glad you didn't get locked up. You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? Right. For sure. I mean, I'm glad you wasn't pulled in. That would been a problem. That would have been be a the problem. Fir- be the first black guy and a white guy went in the studio. Black guy, what? white guy from the studios <laughs> from the you. Omaha County Jail. Jail. County. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we got Ben and we got Darius. We got Tyrone. Uh, Shawshank all up in this bitch tonight. It's like Bovice in the back. That's right. That's right. A uh, big shout out to uh, Jeremy holding us down on the boards. Maple Leaf Studios. Maple Studios. It's where we broadcast this is from. My, this is my third time I have done a podcast. This one will also be on iTunes as well. But this is without a doubt the most professional studio, most professional setup I've Boom. ever been a this part is beautiful. of. Boom. I mean, is this not like, dude? It's amazing. I would love to just come in here and hang out regardless. The people here are amazing. Um, first time I ever came is this guy, Justin. I mean, Justin this, Valentine's. This, Justin dude, <laughs> this dude, if there is a piece of paper floating on the floor 50 yards away this man is like just a ninja assassin running and picking up i've never been to establishment (laughs) that has better more happy individuals if you want to do a podcast man this is a place to go if you want to record an album i mean we're we're sitting in in a, a room right now that is large enough i mean how many we got a grand piano we've got Four, five keyboards. We got mic stands. We have a a plethora of amps. Doesn't matter what amp you want. A Marshall, a Fender, uh, (laughs) all that good stuff. This is turned into a not a podcast. It's coming to turn to commercial now. How? I mean, uh, how? How? Literally, Elliot. Come on down. How in this in this studio? What can you What can you guys do? Because we're just wrapping up. I want to know. We can do anything and everything in the studio. (laughs) I was told a half orchestra. Half orchestra. We can do that. That's not a joke. You can do a half orchestra. Jeremy can do that. Rick can do that all day. We can do that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe false advertising. We can do that. We can edit <laughs> out there. But no, yes, uh, Maple Leaf Studios all day. Maple Leaf Records, uh, new media uh, here in the Midwest, in the heart of Omaha, Nebraska. We are we are something to look out for in 2016. That's all I got to say. Boom. Hell awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Again, check us out. Check out the affiliates that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Again, if you have a question, comment, find Elliot myself online. We're on Facebook. Elliot W. Harris, Pate G. Smith. I'm on Instagram. Elias, are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram, but I don't know what my Instagram account is because I just like... Bro, you got to know that. I, got, I will know it next time, next podcast. I apologize. <laughs> but you find Elliot W. Harris on Facebook. That's an old people's site. You find me there. I'll get my Instagram together. On my back. <laughs> Snapchat, Twitter, whatever. Thanks a lot, guys. And we hope you hear from us next week. This has been the podcast of Omaha, Nebraska. Featuring Elliot W. Harris and Pete Smith. This is it. You've been listening to a black guy and a white guy walked into the studio. Transmission terminated. Join us next time.